Welcome back to the Encounter Radio Show with Bill Reeser on 99.1 FM, life-changing radio, WJMM. For the past week, uh, we've been working through the Encounter Bible Study, Encounter Where Hope Can Be Found with Bill Reeser, A Discipleship Path to a Life of Freedom and Spiritual Growth. It's the new revised, uh, redesigned Bible study that's now available on Amazon. I hope you'll pick up a copy. I hope you've joined us last week, and thank you again for tuning in this week. Uh, for more information about the Bible study, and by the way, you can sign up for one uh, that's going to meet every Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 at 1301 Brandon Road, uh, Men with Men, Women with Women. Uh, we're looking to fill up a group of 25 each, uh, 50 people total. Uh, for the New Encounter Bible Study, just email me, bill at thehopeencounter.org, and I'll get you plugged into that Bible study. Today, on the Encounter Bible Studies, we work we work through the first four anchors. Today, we're on Anchor 5, and I've talked about this on the radio show a ton, and that's realize who I am in Christ and reject the lie that I am my character defects and sins. And one reminder about the, about the Bible study is that you'll see this at, at the bottom of every anchor. As you begin every lesson, if you get your books, pray that you'll have an encounter with God as you earnestly seek Him. Don't rush through the reading of everything that I'm saying on this radio show or once you get your book. And don't rush through your praying. Take some time to stop and listen so you can hear what God wants to say to you. Be sure to write whatever comes to your mind in your journal as you use the following as a prayer to the Lord. Lord, I want to hear your voice and your voice alone through your word and throughout this lesson. Pray that before each lesson. And with every scripture or compilation of scriptures, pray these specific prayers. Lord, what are you saying in your word? And just wait. And whatever God tells you, write it down. And Lord, then then second prayer is, Lord, what are you saying to me? It's different from the first prayer. This one's personal. Then you wait. And whatever you think the Lord is saying to you, write it down. And Lord, how do you want me to apply this to my life? And then again, you journal everything that comes to your mind and you wait on the Lord. Now, in the Encounter Bible Study, with all the scriptures in each lesson, the first half of each study, we get together for two hours once a week, is we're going to go over the journaling that people did from what they heard God tell them through the scriptures. And then the second part is, is sharing the answers that they have from the questions in each lesson. And we're only allowed to share what we write. Nothing more, nothing less. So you have to wait on God, and God has to give you all the answers. That's a wonderful way to do the study. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And the key is to see yourself the way God sees you. Do you see yourself as the way God sees you? In Anchor 3, we learned that our old self and sins are crucified when we place our trust in Jesus Christ. Living out that faith by allowing our new life in Christ to replace our old habits requires commitment, discipline, and obedience. And according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, a real transaction took place when you trusted Jesus as your Savior. You were made new. You were forgiven. You were given a new nature, a new identity. In other words, you are now a different person. You may not feel different, but you are different. You may not feel forgiven, but you are forgiven. You're born again, and you're no longer defined by what you do, what you did, what's been done to you. You are now defined by what God calls you, period. 
And that is who you are. And God's desire is for you to walk in that new identity and see yourself as he does. And God wants you to be accepted, secure, and know your significance in Christ. This is one of the benefits you inherited through Jesus' work on the cross. As you can see, all these anchors are intertwined. Your life should be a reflection of what Christ did for you. If you're to follow his commands, it can only be done through his power and in the new identity he has given you. And God doesn't want you to spend the rest of your life trying to discover who you already are, which most Christians will do. And if you don't know who you are, your purpose or direction will be shaky. But if you live in your new true identity in Christ, your direction in life becomes crystal clear. So let's talk about putting on your new identity. Romans 6.6 6 puts, it, puts it this way. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives and we're no longer slaves to sin. <clears throat> Colossians 3 says this, verse 7 through 10. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And here it is, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Ephesians 4 puts it this way. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you notice that Paul is outlining two lives that you've had, your old life and your new life in Christ, which your new identity. You see, there was a decisive and definitive past action that occurred the moment you received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. But as one who has been born again, you are to apply a continuous action, take off your old self and put on the new self, Ephesians 4, to 24, and this daily action requires intentionality. Think of it in this manner. Before you knew Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you wore the filthy stained garments of sin. But when you received Jesus Christ into your life, his righteousness washed away those filthy garments of sin. And once you've been washed clean, why would you want to put on those filthy garments back on? See, the death of Jesus on the cross paid for the salvation of all who believe and follow him. And Paul is not telling us to do for ourselves what Christ has already done. Instead, Paul is saying that you are a new creation in Christ and must become what God has already declared you to be. And you must have the resolve to resist your, your way of life, to walk in the new life God has given. Galatians 3.27, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Romans 13, 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the, the flesh. The phrase clothe yourselves is also translated as put on in the above verses, specifically putting on the life of Christ. And the clothe oneself with the person or to put on a person is to take on the characteristics of that person and become like them. 
as believers, let me make it plain. You're not trying to become children of God. You already are a child of God who is in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And as you continue to affirm who you are in Christ, your behavior will begin to reflect it. You will know who you are, what your purpose is, and where you are going. Now, here's an identity story found in the Encounter Bible study. Early in Scripture, there's an account of Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis 32. Jacob's very name, in fact, means he grasps the heel. He was a twin who was born after his brother Esau. The implication is that he could have been trying to grab Esau's heel to get ahead of him at birth. Apparently, he had been wrestling from the beginning. Later in life, Jacob tricked his father, Isaac, and stole Esau's birthright as the firstborn son. After Esau threatened to kill Jacob, he went on the the run for 20 years. But Jacob was now about to come face-to-face with Esau again. He was afraid of what would happen. Jacob prayed that God would would save him from his brother. He reminded God of the promises he had made to him. That night on the bank of the Jordan River, Jacob wrestled with a man all night long. Jacob wouldn't give in. The man told Jacob to let, let him go because it was daybreak. Jacob must have finally realized who he was wrestling with because he saw the face of God in daylight and said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob used his persistence to acquire a blessing, and God gave him a new name. An encounter with God will change you forever. He asked Jacob, what is your name? When Jacob told him, he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And he gave Jacob the blessing he requested. Now, throughout the Bible, God gave people new names to mark the changes he made in their lives and to give them a new direction for the future. Jacob had come a long way from the younger man who tricked his father and stole his brother's birthright. His persistence had once been used for selfish gain, but God had changed him. Jacob's persistence had become something that he used to fulfill the promises of God to his nation, Israel. Can you identify with this story? Think about your life. Reflect on times when you have been selfish. Think about the changes God has made or is making in your life. Consider your life before you came to know God. Do you think he wants you to be that same person and do those same things? Of course not. And just like Jacob, God calls you someone else now. And he wants to continually transform you to live for his purposes. God calls you to be someone other than who you used to be, someone new. Someone with new and right desires. Someone who has a past but is no longer identified by it. See, you are now made in the image of God. And he delights in making you into what he intends for you to become, his masterpiece. You may not realize this, but there's a spiritual war going on over your identity. And Satan spends most of his time taking what God has created for good and trying to destroy it. And he knows if he can keep you from being you and created, he has created an identity crisis, it will lead to chaos and eventually destroy your life. How does Satan keep you from knowing your true identity? And we've talked about this many times on the Encounter Radio Show. He uses pain in your life to deceive and disguise your true identity because if he can get you to be resentful or overwhelmed with guilt, shame, and regret, you'll forget that you are a child of God. And this is a huge issue. 
Unresolved pain creates character defects. And a lot of people think that because they have a certain tendency, lusts, faults, habits, etc., that's who they are. And they identify themselves with a particular behavior, thought pattern, or desire. And some say that the first step to facing our problem is admitting that we have one. While there may be some measure of truth to this, don't be fooled into thinking you are your problem. For example, my name is Joe and I'm an alcoholic. That may sound like you are admitting that you have a problem, but it's also self-defeating. And the misconception is that you are your sins, that you are, that your bad habits are your identity. But I want to tell you today, like I've mentioned many times on the Encounter Radio Show, you are not your defects. You are not your faults. You are not your sins. They are not who you are. It may be something you do, but it's not who you are. See, it helps to look at God's word and the life of Jesus to know the truth. And his, the life of Jesus could easily be summarized by these three statements. Jesus knew who he was. He knew his purpose, and he knew where he was going. And if you take a close look at the life of Jesus, you'll find that his identity was under attack the moment he was baptized until his death on the cross. And Jesus himself had to deal with the same barrage of insults, lies, temptations, and challenging voices that we have to deal with. And Satan knew that if he can get the Son of God to doubt his identity, he would stop the purpose of Jesus. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. And ultimately, Satan could not stop God's plan. He was destined for defeat, but it didn't stop him from trying. Now listen, I'm going to close right there on Anchor 5. But I want to ask you today, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know what your identity in Christ is? I don't want you to spend an entire lifetime trying to become somebody you already are. You're a child of the one true king. And that is who you are. Thanks for tuning in to the Encounter Radio Show.